2: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 526 of the Most Terrific Amateur Radio Podcast on the Internet. This is Linux in the Shack, and it's our short topics episode, so welcome in. We're glad you're here with us. And we're just going to go without preamble and dive right on into topics. We do have a little bit of a surprise for to- uh, segment number four. We call it segment number four because we rarely have a segment number one. But uh, anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit. But in the meantime, we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'm Russ K5TUX, and of course Cheryl W5MOO made it for one whole episode before she uh, had other stuff to do again tonight. So, anyway, uh, I'm Russ, and also, and I'm Bill N4RD. Good evening. All right. So we'll get to our short topics. Cheryl will definitely be with us for 527 because that's going to be our year-end wrap-up slash Hedonism Fest. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go out with a bang. Uh, with a a year-ender, I guess we call them. I don't don't know that we always end on a year-ender, do we? I think maybe we do.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we always do that. Yeah. At least for the past couple of years we have.
2: Yeah, yeah, for the past few years since we've been doing Weekenders. So anyway, yeah, that that will be our last episode until uh, early in January. So we are inviting folks to come and join us, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But let's go ahead and jump into our amateur radio topics, and uh, we'll let Bill hit the first one. Sure, and uh, this one is a, a
3: reminder of what we talked about not too long ago. The FCC symbol rate limitations expire on January 8th, 2024. Uh, the FCC rule changes regarding symbol rate limitations being re- is being removed from the HF bands will go into effect on January 8th, 2024. In November, the FCC put forth a report and order removing the symbol rate limit and its place implement a 2.8 kilohertz bandwidth limitation. Uh, and of course, we talked about this in detail in a previous podcast. Uh, those rules were adopted. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> in the final report and order. Published today on December 7th, so a few days ago from the podcast recording, Uh, the rules outlined in the report and order go in effect on the 8th of January for the thousandth time. So, and of course, I picked this up from Ham Weekly. And in the show notes, you'll find the link to the Federal Register publication of that report and order, which is what is needed to make any FCC rule go into effect. So uh, as soon as that occurs, we'll probably start seeing some uh, some changes, some changes in, uh, in our digital landscape, uh, which is probably uh, very exciting to see because we'll see a lot of innovation and whatnot over the next, uh, well, in the next year.
2: So it'll be great. All right. Very good. And um, maybe... Maybe that will change uh, WSJTX. Who
3: knows? Yeah, who knows? Of course, we Our, don't want that to be 2.8 wide. You know, that'd be <laughs> disastrous.
2: Uh, well, no, but a, a little wider would be nice.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I've seen the band there. I mean, that, that channel is smushed, <laughs> smushed with context.
2: <laughs> well, that's true. But uh, we could always add a second uh, calling frequency, you know, what for the overflow. Yeah, they want
3: that multi-hop or something like that. You know, multi-whatever uh, spread spectrum. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, now you're just smoking crack. <laughs> All right, moving on. We have new amateur extra class question pool released effective July first, twenty twenty four. So will be released, not has been released. No, oh, the cool, the pool has been released now, but, but it won't it's effective. Fired. Yeah, yeah, we'll be starting seeing in tests. Yeah, so if you're going to study after July 1st or take your test after July 1st, you can study the new pool already. The National Conference of Volunteer Examiner Coordinators, the NUCVEC Question Pool Committee, KUPUK, (laughs) Kupuk. uh, (laughs) Kupuk Kupuk. has, (laughs) has released the 2024 to 2028 Extra Class FCC Element 4 Question Pool and Syllabus to the Public. The new extra class question pool is effective from July 1st, 2024 through June 30th, 2028. The pool is available as a Microsoft Word document and as a PDF. The 10 10 graphics required for the new extra class question pool are available within the documents or separately in PDF and JPEG file formats. So there you go for all you folks who are thinking about getting your your amateur extra, which um, we definitely highly recommend if you're already a general or even if you're not. Cause then you can get the the cool call signs. And, you know, you might have to wait like three years or something. But you, you still gotta... <laughs> there's that one site that that sort of gives you the in on what's available. I can't remember what it is, but it's like uh, a, a aq a- something. or something A-Q-4 or something aq
3: four or something A four q I don't know what is it eighty seven q a seven dq I uh, see vanity call signs. <laughs> We should get that right because we're probably screwed. AE seven Q.
2: AE7Q. Yeah, that's it. So <laughs> you can check that if you're looking for a one by two or two by one or uh some sort some sort of specialty hard to hard to get call sign. They keep information in there like when uh there's a S key, when stuff's gonna expire, things like that. So if you're looking for a special call, AE7Q, just Google it. There you go. Uh Steve says, Should I be hearing things? Yeah, I hope I hope you should be hearing things. Yeah. We're we're all hearing each other, so <laughs> it's definitely working. <laughs> all right. So anyway, yeah. Uh, link to the the question pool and the story. Are in the show notes, so go ahead and check those out. And now we're going to move swiftly and slyly from amateur radio topics into open source, and we'll let Bill hit the first one of these as well. Sure, yeah, this is a
3: FFmpeg 6.1 drops a heavy side dose of codec magic. It's a it's a pretty heavy uh, new versions of this amazing versatile tool used in most streaming video services and devices, don't come along very often. Although FFmpeg has been around since 2000, it only reached version 6 in February. Despite its modest 0.1 version number bump and remarkably terse release notes, this is a major release. The announcement has rather more information as does the changelog. The release's codename is a tribute to the great 19th century mathematician Oliver Heaviside, the inventor of the coaxial cable along with several other radical mathematical methods, uh, which for instance enabled the performance of telegraph cables to be mathematically modeled for the first time. The other thing named after him is also the the heavy side layer, the part of the ionosphere that the long distance radio signals reflect off of to travel around the world and not, in fact, where cats go to heaven. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) This version includes support for the multi-threaded hardware accelerated video decoding of H.264, HEVC, and AV1 video using the cross-platform Vulkan API, which I totally blew on being able to define the other night, uh, the next gen replacement for OpenGL, which was added to the code base in may. And the story came from the register. And I also linked the
2: release notes in the show notes. All right. Sweet. We go back up. I somehow scrolled down away from the next story. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, cool. I always like that to ter- the term heavy side. I just, it's, it's a cool term. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of interesting. A little bit of an education education. We try and do that on the show every once in a while. It's scary sometimes. But so, moving on from the heavy side dose of codec magic, we'll talk a little bit about open source forkers. Don't say that the wrong way. Fork this. <laughs> Fork you. Forkers. An <laughs> open bow in the oven. The rebellion against HashiCorp for adopting a for its Terraform software expanded this week with word that the Linux Foundation aims to help hatch an open source alternative to Vault the company's secrets management project. At the Open Source Summit in Tokyo, Japan this week, Sebastian Stadel, co-founder and CEO of DevOps Automation Biz Scaler, and one of the organizations of Open Tofu, Tofu, a fork of Terraform, revealed details about the project dubbed OpenBow. OpenBow is a fork of Vault, which helps developers manage secrets like password tokens, certificates, API keys, and the like. Vault, like HashiCorp's Boundary, Console, Nomad, Packer, Terraform, Vagrant, and Waypoint has been under the business source license, which disallows other cloud companies from offering the software as a competitive product. And so rivals have forked, forking, the vault code under an OSI compliant license, Mozilla PLV2, to ensure continued access to the technology. Cool. Damn forkers. No, well, actually, in this case, we're all for forking.
3: Yes, so. Yeah, <laughs> so like this, I guess, you know I almost I almost had a story about the Terraform to uh, to open tofu uh, in one of the previous short topics shows just because it was sort of relevant, but I don't know how much you actually mess around with Terraform, and I'm just barely dabbling in it now uh, because I don't do a well where we use it at work is basically in Azure, so we use Terraform to to basically build out all of the uh, DevOps uh, inside that platform. But uh, yeah, so yeah, apparently there's some uh, stinky, stinky going on with uh, HashiCorp uh, for adopting a BSL license, much like a lot of other uh, open source companies have done in the past to sort of protect uh, their product from being used everywhere and not really get any value or benefit from uh, supporting that kind of platform. Um, And we know how this normally goes. It, It normally goes into a fork like this, and then you end up with a third party product, (laughs) another third party product (laughs) uh, that remains in the standard uh, open source license that you can use. So uh, yeah, it's no surprise, I would assume that if there's uh, anything else out there, it's going to be continued to be forked from uh, previous uh, prior to the BSL license being applied to the product, and then uh, patched and maintained from that point forward. Uh, So I'm I'm not sure how effective this is for uh for HashiCorp but uh I understand the the reason why they have to do stuff like this just because they have to monetize something that they really probably didn't have a monetization strategy for in the first place and uh now they're this is their only solution to that so can't really blame them for it
2: yeah sure enough I have not used Terraform or, or it's ilk, but uh definitely looks like something I could look into from a business perspective and see where this project and OpenBow are going So looks cool. And that, by the way, came from the register over in the UK. So,
3: (laughs) yeah, sorry about two stories from the register just happened to be, (laughs) I think, I think, I think I found them both uh, from a slash dot link, but then I just read the original article just because, you know, you get more context.
2: Absolutely. So, and the UK register has been uh, a good source of information lately. They do talk about open source and and topics of the like uh, quite a bit. So nice to have the resource. All right. Well, that brings us down to the end of our open source topics for tonight. And for our Linux in the Ham Shack segment, we got kind of a special thing tonight. Instead of doing some news topics or anything like that, we're going to bring on someone we've had on the show before, Tag N0TTL, the uh, lead developer, I guess. Well, maybe you'll fill us in on how that's going. Uh, I, can, I know you've got a team now working on Grid Tracker, but we haven't talked to you guys in. Almost three years I think some something along those lines and i'm sh- I'm seeing a lot of development come out of the grid tracker uh, group because I think there's been like three or four updates in the last few weeks so we wanted to find out what is new in grid tracker so we're going to bring you on to to give us a brain dump on on grid tracker and what's new
0: sure well thanks for having me this is a tag n0 TtL we have a, a recent update um, where we we changed the call roster a little bit. So um, previously, when you opened up the call roster, you had all these controls in the wanted and the exceptions area that had text boxes for like ignoring call signs, or you wanted to be a part of uh, CQ RU CQ Roundup, or you wanted to do ignore CQ FD CQ Field Day, and so they were. Unnecessary because we had an ignore, ignore system built in and the text, anytime you open one, your your window um, would just uh, get d- distorted. You, know, The layout was horrible. So there wasn't a consistent interface. So um, I've moved all of those out into a um, uh, uh, a settings area for all the ones that could adjust the size of the call roster, so it makes more consistent um, ease of use on the eyes. Um, you always know where a button is; it's not going to move anymore on you. Um, we've done a lot of UI improvements to the call roster, kind of like because you spend so much time scary, staring at it, reducing color eye strain, um, reducing the busyness because there's so much uh, to the display. So that was one of our main focuses for the latest release. Um, a previous release, uh, WA four. Y.A. Christian, he, um, brought us, um, uh, notifications push notifications from the call roster, as well as um, uh, our online message service, off-air message service uh, called Ohms. Um, you can now push your wanted. let's say you're in the middle, you want to go to bed, but you don't want to miss that DXCC uh, at 3 a.m. You can now push a text message to your phone for free. Um, and you can also sign up for more more text messages per month. But at a minimum, you can get like 100, I think, uh, text messages sent for free. And that's directly from within checker right to your phone. Um, that's one of the new features. Um, let's see what else. Uh, we've got a lot of, uh, oh, we recently added French, um, translations, uh, Italian and, um, Oh, I'm missing one. Spanish, Spanish translations of the app. So we've already, we already have, uh, Chinese traditional Chinese simplified, um, and German. So now this adds to that. So we're, we're native in more languages now. So oh, uh, let's see what else. There's um, just a lot of bug fixes. We had a longstanding issue where confirmed grids, um, confirmed uh, QSOs, your QSLs, the grids, the states and the counties were being counted incorrectly. So if you were hunting your that for Logbook of the World versus your US-40 from QRZ, you would have different values for those um, and they would be counted. So it you may get credit. We would give you credit for uh, Montana when you actually worked North Dakota or got confirmed in North Dakota because the grid, you know, the shares between the two. And QRZ may say, yeah, you worked them in Montana versus Logwood of the world said, no, you worked them in North Dakota. So we were not resolving those conflicts correctly. And so that was a major change in this latest release. So that's pretty much it. Um, we, we have a roadmap for some new things that are coming if you want to talk about those. Or, if you have any questions, I can answer those. Well,
2: I do want to talk about what you've got coming up for the future. And just, I know we kind of launched right into this, but we have talked about this on the show. But for anyone who's not familiar, Grid Tracker is an application. Um, it's It's written in Java, yes. JavaScript. JavaScript, yes. Excuse me. <laughs> That um, can run cross-platform, of course, because JavaScript is cross-platform, and it basically, the, at, at its core, it keeps track of your worked grids. But of course, it's a very robust piece of software. We've done in-depth episodes on it before, so you can go back and listen to those and hear about all of the cool features it has. And um, so, yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about what you guys have lined up for the the near future of Grid Tracker as
0: well. So we uh, support audio alerts. You can get notified either visually or via text-to-speech, or you can pick a media file. Um, those are trash. They haven't been updated in nearly four years because once I created the call roster, uh, they kind of we did have a need. I didn't have a need for any kind of alerts because I had the call roster doing the work for me. But a lot of people still use it, and the problem that we have today is that what you're alerting on may not be what you're looking for in the call roster. And so there's this huge disconnect and we're getting support emails all the time saying, um, I'm getting an alert, uh, it's saying new DXCC over the speakers, but I look at the call roster and there's nothing. And we have to explain over and over and over again that they're, they're not connected. They have separate settings. So what we're doing is basically just taking the audio alert system apart and connecting it to the call roster so that... What you're seeing in the call roster is reflected in the audio alerts you hear, or any changes in the audio alerts you hear will be reflected in the roster. Um, that's that's the major component that's coming. Obviously, bug fixes and things. We, we are, we're tossing around the idea for a subscription service for extra data, um, providing real-time uh, muff visual layer so you know at any given time, based on grid tracker usage through our ohms network, we know the highest you know, the, the maximum usable frequency um, for a particular area. And so we can we think we can turn that into a live feed that we can provide to grid tracker users. But it comes at a cost. It's kind of expensive. So we were thinking about having a subscription service. But again, that's just some things we're thinking about. But majorly, it's just the audio alerts is what we're looking to to overhaul next. And I think we're kind of getting to the point where we're running out of ideas. We weren't in the past. Now now we're kind of coming up to like, this is a pretty robust system, fairly bug-free, doing what everybody wants. So unless somebody comes at, at us and says, hey, it'd be great if you added this logger or this, um, like there's been a request for FL Digi support. I'm not sure how we could support that, But, you know, that's, that's where we're at now. We've kind of, we've kind of grown up a little bit and uh, we've polished a lot of edges. All
2: right. I know um, we, we talked just recently about the uh, maidenhead six squares and stuff and getting that information out of WSJTX. Do you know if there's any movement on that front?
0: Uh, I haven't heard anything. I haven't even checked, but it, it seems uh, like it would be great if they did support, you know, six wide, the more accurate. Locations, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely something um, that we would all benefit from. You know, if, we, if we're not limited in baud rate, the messages that we can send can be much larger and to get in the same time frame. I think it, it will benefit a lot.
2: Yeah, I think it would too. And just having a wider data field would be nice anyway. I mean, I guess we don't want to turn WSJTX into you know like uh jt65 or or any of the other chat modes because obviously it's just for for doing contacts and stuff like stuff like that kind of like a a, a little overblown whisper sort of thing
0: right but right.
2: um a, a few extra characters could go a long way i
0: think to enhancing the experience could not hurt that's for sure
2: Uh, i'm not sure how big an overhaul that is for the wsjtx team i'm I'm sure it's been mentioned and uh, maybe that will come along (laughs) down the pike and i'm sure you guys will adjust if it ever happens so
0: and then one thing that would help with is compound compound call signs we won't have to learn over multiple decodes what a longer call sign is it will just be inherent in the message right it seems like one right. of the drawbacks is compound call signs, where you have to wait for 7, 12, 13 decodes before you fully get what that call sign is, what the what the what their um, call is. So,
2: are there this this just occurred to me, and I have no idea the answer, and I don't know if you do either. But when it comes to like you know the United States, when you're Tracking and looking in the call roster, you, of course, give a state designation where, you know, where the grid lies. Do, do states or county borders or, or all of those things exist in international entities? And if so, have you thought about adding them?
0: Um, well, yeah, the, the administrative zones we have um, internally, we know the grids for um, every grid um, for Australia Mexico, Canada, Germany, France, and I believe the UK. Um, we we also know from our log files this the the administrative zone that is provided in confirmations. So we know uh, the Japanese zones, um, Australian. Uh, I don't know what they're called if they're called states. But we have that information. The only thing we're missing today is the shapes to sh- to represent them in them on the map, and the other is the actual call sign databases for those countries. If we had an Australian. Callsign sign database we could provide work worked all australian states as as an award or an layer um you know do the same for canada if we had if we had the data and that's the problem it's getting a hold of the the call sign databases for these countries
2: do you assume that there are databases for these countries and they're just unpublished or inaccessible
0: um they may not due to privacy laws for various countries the mighty un- might not even make them available um where we seem to be the oddball in that. You know our home addresses are associated with our call sign and our full names. Um, where other countries, that's that's a big no-no. You know, so
2: yeah, fair enough. Um, that's all I had, and I think that's a great update. I mean, I I use the thing all the time, so I I see all the stuff as it comes through, and I read through the change logs and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to uh, kind of tinkering with the call the call roster, uh, the new updates for that. So Bill, do you have? I know you're. Uh, you you can talk about your experience with Grid Tracker because um, you, you've had all of what uh, twenty minutes now with it.
3: <laughs> well, I have used it in the past, uh, but yeah, I primarily just use it for like the visual aspect of uh, of the contact itself. But uh, just installing it here a few minutes ago uh, as we were talking, uh, the install is literally painless, and uh, changing my my JTDX setup to be multicast uh, instantly uh, appeared over in grid tracker so uh it's quite uh it, it's quite quick in uh, seeing the change of the uh of the software that you're using for doing your ft modes and jt modes and stuff like that and uh yeah i just loaded my logbook in there just so it has a, a quick snapshot of everything i've worked and it uh yeah loaded you know whatever Ten thousand contacts pretty quickly. So, yeah, it's 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 pretty uh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty quick to uh, get running, and uh,
0: it's very painless to uh, to get set up. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is that we've got flatpak support coming for Linux uh, installs. So that's okay. We don't care about any of that. No, okay. <laughs> Russ hates it. <us>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: that. Well, I mean, come on, it's already running on Node. You know, what, what else right. do you want?
2: <laughs> well, for those people who are using immutable desktops, um, you know, and want to use it, uh, sure, flatpak support would be great. But um, yeah, haven't haven't bought into that paradigm yet. So
0: fair enough
3: but, but no it does open it up to a whole scale of people that you know, want you know their systems to be somewhat you know maintainable in the aspect that they don't really want to maintain the operating system and want to run their pc much like a cell phone uh, i think that's a, a great move and a great direction to go to support uh, a whole you know number of users that are in that landscape of uh, of immutable based systems
2: All right. Well, I think we hit the high points and I think we came in right about at our target time on this one. So uh, do you have anything else you want to tell us, like where people can find Grid Tracker and all that good stuff and where they can contact you if they have questions or anything like that?
0: Uh, Sure. I just wanted to quickly mention uh, Matthew in R0Q is the the person responsible for maintaining our web servers, um, and that is uh, gridtracker.org. Um, he's also responsible for all of, uh, for most of our Linux work and including Christian, um, W A W W A 4 Y A. Um, and yeah, uh, I wanted to give them props for all the help that they've been doing lately, as well as, uh, Randy, K A 0 E Z A Z S. Um, and I'm sure I'm for, I don't have the, my discord in front of me either. Otherwise I'd be throwing out names. Um, but uh, there's a lot of people at grid tracker uh, that are making this uh possible um the fact that we're robust and all the uh, uh and polished is because of them so um and the last thing I want to mention grid tracker did win the 20 uh the 2023 uh amateur uh Open Source Amateur Radio Software Award. So we're Ooh. very, very proud of that.
2: Well, fantastic! It's an excellent piece of software. I believe, as I said a few weeks ago, it is the bee's knees <laughs> <laughs> in, in the space that it occupies, uh, and and I love it. And Bill Bill hasn't drunk the Kool Aid yet, but we're, we're trying to get everybody on board. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate your time tag. Thanks for coming on, giving us the update and uh, look forward to uh, using it and seeing what, what comes in the future. And hopefully a few more people will be drawn to the project and you'll have more people to bug you in email. Excellent. Oh, thank you for having me.
3: Yeah. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Thanks a lot. Take care. Have a good night. Seven, three. Seven, three. So moving on from that little discussion of grid tracker, we're going to jump into announcements and feedback and I guess I'll hit the uh, first one here episode number 527. Is that right? I think so. Yes. 527. Boy, it's amazing how you lose track of things. Uh, 527, i.e. the next episode will be our year ender, a year end round table. And we encourage everybody who has a microphone and the ability and the desire to jump onto the discord and participate in our year end episode. It's always a lot of fun. And because it's a year ender, we'll talk about you know, the year in review, we'll talk about 2024 and what's on tap. And of course, we'll do the hedonism thing because, you know, we like to wrap it all into one. So if you want to participate, we'd love to have you. And otherwise, just uh, join us for the last episode of the year because we won't be having another one until I think it's like the 9th of January. So Yeah, that sounds right. So I have almost a month off. We can all enjoy, enjoy the holidays and the new year and and then we'll get right back into it. So hope to see you next week. And we do have one more bit of feedback, and we'll let Bill read it. Sure, yeah, this was a Mastodon
3: message from uh, K6GTE, and he said, hi, notice the Mastodon badge is missing from your site, or on <laughs> your site is missing. And I noticed, because I checked the site, that you added it. So we have addressed that immediately. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we did. The problem is the, the plugin I'm using to manage the social media links doesn't have Mastodon in it.
3: Oh, I noticed it was a different kind of, uh, it was sort of below everything else. <laughs>
2: yeah. So I had to add it a different way. So, but it is now there. I also added Instagram to the other one because I was another one that was also missing. So I think we're, we're caught up to everything. I think, uh, Twitter is still Twitter where everyone's resisting calling it X and I can totally understand why. So,
3: and it's no more one advertisement, if you say formerly known as Twitter.
2: <laughs> yeah. No one cares about either one of them anyway. So. Uh well with that we're down to the end. Since Cheryl is not here, I will take on the responsibility of doing the new subscribers, supporters, and live participants. So this week we have on Facebook Gerardo Rincón, Enrique Alexis, Carrasco Bernales. And I saw all these Hispanic sounding names, so I just wondered if we showed up in a Spanish list or something, or <laughs> we got mentioned in a in a Mexican uh lug. <laughs> or something because usually they don't show up in groups like that but uh, wherever you all came from thanks for joining us over on Facebook we also had Doug Comer and Nick Horton and 10 others because Facebook is dumb uh, wish we could uh, say who all the other people were but we can't uh, on Twitter we had Wade Nye there's a lot of ways that could be pronounced but I went and looked at the profile because I was confused and that's actually his name Wade Nye ah oh, there you go <laughs> Could Be a lot of things. Wade, Wade-ini, Wade-ini, Wade, Denny, <laughs> <like that>. Wadeini? Wait,
0: Wade, any?
2: Yeah, <laughs> but it's Wade and I. Uh, on Mastodon that we just mentioned, we have Taco Strange, Peter underscore KC3 UEP, Malachi M0 JDR, and ON8 QRP and DC2 ZP. So, ON is um Belgium, I think. ON8 yeah. I think that's yeah, Belgium. Probably. And Delta Charlie 2 is Germany, I believe. So people from all over. Uh, we also have on Discord, ta 2 O Z Osgur, And I don't know where T-A-2 is from. Someone will tell me, I'm sure. Tag, who we just had on the show, joins us in Zero TTL and Harley Man. Uh, and in the live chat, we had Tony K4XSS, Ted WA0EIR, Steve KA7HVT. And we had Allie Kitten, who told us what her call sign is going to be when she gets her call. Vanity call, but I was wondering if she got her actual call. Let's see if she's uh oh, she's typing. Excellent. Application is still pending. Okay. Still pending, yeah. So T A two I O Z is in Turkey. Turkey. All right, very good. Uh current call sign, Kilo Z four, Charlie November. Okay. Yeah, nice extra call. Yep, kilo Z four. KZ4. That's kind of cool. I like it. I don't don't hear a lot of KZs. So
3: yeah, could be a good uh, you know, a good uh, prefix call for the CQ Worldwide Prefix.
2: Yeah, for a contest KZ4. That's that's going to be a good one. Yeah, except you won't have it. You're, you're going to go. You're going to go to the other one, which is totally mundane. <laughs> but that's okay, and we and we won't repeat the joke from last time that you didn't hear because you disconnected two seconds too early. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway. That brings us down to the end of the show. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And thanks to all of us, uh, all of you, not all of us, (laughs) all of you who support us financially. We really appreciate that. Help us keep the lights on and keep us going. And uh, we will have one more episode, episode number 527, our year-ender, before we go on break for the holidays. So we hope you'll join us for that. And in the meantime... Have a good week, and we'll talk to you all soon. So for the absent, but won't be absent next week, Cheryl, w 5 mo I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreoncom podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter, and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info@lhspodcast.info at or leave us a voicemail at one nine zero nine LHS Show. That's one nine zero nine. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.